what did God prepare for man? We're talking about today the God who provides. Um, and when we say provides, uh, that's a broad word. We're not talking about money. People always think money. We're talking about provision, right? Provision is life, right? Life, things that we need for life. And so when we talk about the God who provides and what God's original intent was when we talk about provision. It's amazing. As I'm doing this study, and sometimes you don't realize how much you get in the way of God's provision. When God desires to be the man, the father, the one who is there to take care of you, many times we get in the way of his divine provision. And so today we're going to talk about that just briefly, and it's going to be a blessing to you. And I want to look at for a text scripture, the book of Philippians, uh, chapter 4, verse 19, a very familiar passage of scripture. And my God will fully satisfy every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I love that scripture, in. The King James says, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory, the King James Version says. But the Bible says, I love this, this, this version of it, the Revised Version says, and he shall fully satisfy, fully satisfy, fully. That means that God's not going to leave nothing out. He's going to fully satisfy all of your needs. And so, uh, but before we walk through these couple of scriptures real quickly, and I'm not going to be before you too long today, uh, it's understanding God's original intent that God had for you. Now, you know my favorite book in the Bible is Genesis. You know that, right? I love the book of Genesis. Uh, the reason why I love the book of Genesis is because Genesis is the beginning of everything. So in order for me to understand Exodus through Revelation, I need to understand Genesis, right? Where, where everything started, what God's original intent for man was. Uh, that's equivalent to you understanding your heritage, right? I think it's important that everyone understand their heritage naturally. And likewise, you should understand your heritage spiritually, what God's original intent, what was the creator thinking of when he created you? Um, back in New York, we had a neighbor who had brought a Porsche. And, uh, man, it was a beautiful Porsche. I mean, a bad-looking Porsche. And that Porsche, he didn't drive every day. He had his everyday car, but then he had his Porsche. And he brought the Porsche, and he was telling us how he had went, and he had... Um, there was a place in Long Island, New York, where he can go on the track with his Porsche and test out the max speed for the Porsche. I mean, he was going around. He said he was going around that track, 120, 100, and they taught him how to drive. We had the sign saying, if you crash your car, it's your car. But, you know, how to go around that track. Now, my car, I have a family car, right? I have a, <laughs> a Chevrolet family car. My car can never compete with the Porsche because... When the makers made my car, they did not make it with that intention. Am I making sense? When they made the Porsche, they made it with a different intention, right? So understanding the intention of, of, of you, why God made you, what your purpose is, is so critical and is so important because you can operate effectively or efficiently if you don't know why you're here. I mean, does that make sense for you? Uh, and so I always tell you the story, and I love that story uh, of my wife and I. There was, there was a light on in our car on the dashboard, and, and we're looking through. We're, we're pressing every button. Man, I'm pressing buttons. I'm pressing buttons. And I'm pressing, and we're doing it. And this like 20 minutes go by, 25 minutes go by. And my wife is the one who says, well, just get the manual. I don't need the manual. Just leave me alone. I'm just going to, I'm going to, typical man, right? I'm going to figure this out. I don't need no manual. I'm, I'm pressing buttons. I'm waste another 15 minutes pressing buttons. Finally, she gets the manual out, looks for the picture that shows the light, goes and flips one switch, and it goes right off. Now, here it is. Watch this. I wasted 30, 40 minutes of time trying to do it myself when the maker had already given me a manual. Gosh, you got to get this. Uh, 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 th that's how we do life. But we're trying to do it ourselves when the maker has already given us a manual. And so we spend a lifetime trying to get uh, different alerts that come up on our dashboards, trying to get it off our life, trying to change this, when all we have to do is go to the manual. 
The manual tells us how to do it. The manual tells us how to deal with fear. The manual tells us how to deal with unbelief. The manual tells us how to deal with lack. Are you hearing me? We need to go to the manual and stop wasting time trying to do it on our own. Because it's not the will of God for you to do it on your own. Somebody says it's not the will of God to do it on our own. So when God made man the book of Genesis, the first chapter, really when you get home, the Bible says, you know, uh, the, 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 the verse that we've been, the scriptures that we've been kind of highlighting for the, for the last year or two, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through 28, that he made man, gave them dominion, gave them power, gave them authority, told them to be fruitful, and told them to multiply, right? He said, you don't have to worry about provision. I've already provided for you. So your when you get saved, you are to live in the provision of the king. Amen? The provision of the king. So uh, wherever you live, hopefully you, you pay taxes, right? If you own, if you rent, then your rent covers certain resources. So when I pay taxes, uh, where we live at, out in Drexel, you know, when I put my garbage out on the, on, on the sidewalk on Tuesdays and Fridays, I expect the sanitation to pick up my garbage because I pay taxes, right? It's a service that's given to me. When you are saved and you give your heart to Christ, there are services and resources that are available to you as a child of God. And so today we're going to look at some of those resources, all right? So you can walk out of here and stop working so hard. Somebody say, stop working so hard. Come on. Tell somebody, you're working too hard. You're working too hard. This is, this is easier than, it, than you're making it look. Some people make Christianity look so hard. It's not hard. It's not hard. It really isn't. It's hard when you try to do it. It's hard when you try to walk it out. But if you lean on the word of God, it's not hard. Amen? And so watch this. You know the story. You know the story what happened with Genesis. The, the Bible says that man disobeyed God, right? The enemy showed up in the garden. The Bible says they ate of the fruit and they went into a sinful condition. Now watch this. Here is Genesis chapter 3, verse number 7, the first time when man begins or tries to provide for himself. Then the eyes of both of them, who are them? Adam and Eve, okay, were open, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves covers, made themselves. Now watch this, highlight this, write it down as a note. Genesis 3 and 7 is the first time we see in Scripture where man is trying to provide for himself. Man is trying to provide for himself. What happened? Sin, or being in a disobedient state, caused Adam and Eve to really reject the provision of God and look to provide for themselves. But the best that they can do was sow some leaves together. So think about how well you can do by yourself. If you get you out the way and put God in the picture, man, you could do so much better. Because right now, you trying to provide for yourself is like you doing what Adam and Eve did. All you can manage is some fig leaves. I know you think you're living good, but you could be living so much better. I know you think you're in perfect health, but if you lean on the health care of Jesus, that he said that you have divine health, amen, you can be in so much better health. Somebody say so much better health. So watch this. Genesis 3 and 7 shows us that man tried to provide for himself. It was not the will of God for him to provide for himself, but that's what he did due to disobedience. And then the Bible says uh, later on in that same chapter that he came and he slayed an animal and he covered them in what? In the skin of an animal in order to provide because the conditions now were going to get worse. So while they're sowing fig trees together to cover themselves and make provision for themselves, where God says, I've already made provision for you. Amen. Let's look at this. And then now we're going to take a little walk today before we get to Exodus where I want to end up at. Genesis chapter 11, verse 3 through 4. Then they said one to another, this is the Tower of Babel. How many people have heard that story before? When they tried to build the tower that would reach heaven, right? And they said, we're going to do this. But here's the problem. They said to one another, come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They laid bricks for stones and they had uh, asphalt for, for mortar. And they said, come, let us us build ourselves a city. Here it goes, provision for themselves. Let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in heaven. Let us make a name for ourselves. Let us build it. Let us make a name. Let us. Man, it's a dangerous thing 
it's a dangerous thing when you step in the place that God is supposed to be. He said, I am the God that supplies all of your need. That's why I read you Philippians first. Philippians, let's not forget that. What did he say? Philippians 4.19. And my God will satisfy every need of yours. He says, it's not your job to do it. God gives you health. God gives you strength so you can go to work. I'm not saying you're going to sit in bed all day, but God going to take care of it. That's not what I'm saying. Right? Uh, he gives you strength to work, and work is not for the purpose of provision. Work is for the purpose of bringing out your gifts and your talents. Amen. Work allows you to, 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 to add to God's creation. That's what it does. But your needs are supplied by God. Because you know that your paycheck can't do everything. Come on, how many people know that? If that was, you'd be in zero debt right now and you have everything you want. Your check is not designed for that. Your, your work, when you go to work, is so you can be a light. It's so that you can work out God's gift in you to make things better. Amen. But he says when it comes to your needs, he says God takes care of your needs. God is the one that provides for your children. Come on here, somebody. God is somebody say God does it. So watch this. They had got into a state of I-ism. Uh, in Genesis chapter 3, then in Genesis chapter 11, they got into another state of Iism. I call it Iism, the Tower of Babel, when they wanted to do it themselves. They wanted to be the ones, build something for ourselves. We want to make a name great for ourselves, when the only name we should be making great is the name of Jesus, right? Now, now this, this, this provision didn't stop it. So God, fast forward, in the book of Exodus, you know that the people of Israel were in bondage, Right? They were in captivity. God chose a man by the name of Moses to bring them out. Now, here they were, they were in bondage for over uh, 200 years. Uh, they had been in bondage, messed up. God speaks to Moses and says, I want you to go bring my people out of bondage. Man, that's a good thing. He says, I hear them crying. They're making noise. They're, they're, they're saying, God, get us out of this. Finally, I'm going to touch you. And Moses, you know, Moses goes obeys God through a series of things. And what happens? God brings plagues upon the uh, Egyptians, right? And Pharaoh finally lets his people go, lets God's people go. And now, watch this, they find themselves in a wilderness. So they leave Egypt. Egypt in the Bible is always a type of the world. They leave Egypt, and now they are in the wilderness. So watch, they're off of the world-based system, and God says, I'm going to provide for you. You don't have to compromise. I'm going to provide for you. This is what he does. Look at Exodus chapter 16, verse 2 through 3. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. Here they go, complaining. What, what did they say? And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we had set by the pots of meat... <laughs> And when we ate bread until we were, I mean, I mean, this is crazy. I mean, think about it. Here it is. They're saying, we would rather have died in Egypt. At least our stomachs were full. I mean, you talk about greed, man. It, it doesn't, I mean, I like to eat too, as you can tell. I'm trying to work on that. But I mean, this, this, I, this is a whole nother level of greed, right? I mean, they're saying, I, I, man, at least we would have died full. At least I would have died eating my favorite thing. You know, I, I, I would have had the bread and stuff like that, right? I mean, they're complaining about being in a system, watch this, that they were used to being hand-fed instead of them believing God for their provision. Egypt hand-fed them. They didn't have to believe for anything. It came to them, but yet they were still in slavery. Oh, we should have stayed there. We ate bread full, for you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill the whole assembly with hunger. Yeah, that's funny. I mean, that's unbelievable. Now, you got to think about this. I thought about it. I said, man, they had went through the Red Sea and did all these things. Why all of a sudden they're getting hungry? Because when they left Egypt, if you remember, that the women had gave them bread that had not yet been leavened. And then Moses said, we're going to have a feast. So, they, so watch this. Up until this point, they were actually eating on the provision of Egypt. Come on, come on. They were actually eating off the provision of Egypt. Now that Egypt's provision had ran out, they had to trust God. And it takes work to trust God. Come on. It takes work to trust God, right? It, 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 it's not on autopilot. You got to work to trust God. 
It takes work to stay in faith. You got to sometimes get away from people who are talking death and talking doubt. It takes work, but it's easy to depend on somebody else. There's some people who just have, you know, we, we call it a government cheese mentality. You know, the government, you know, that the government's job is to provide for me. No, 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 that's not their job. Come on, you, you ought to get up and go to work and provide, and God's giving you energy, and to be able to do that, watch this, why? Because you have God who is your provider. The system is not your provider. Man is not your provider, but God is your provider. Look at this in Exodus chapter 16, verse uh, 16 and 21. Jehovah said for everyone to gather as much as is needed for his household for two quarts for each person. Now, here it is. He gives them what is called the law of the gathering. And he says, okay, I'm going to give you something called manna, right? And we all read this before, where he allowed manna to fall from heaven. Here's a system. Now, this is amazing you think about it. He says, I know you are, this is a higher way of living. I know you are used to the old system where Egypt would feed you, Egypt would provide for you, Egypt would do these things, but Egypt kept you in bondage in order to provide. The minute you stopped providing for Egypt was the time they stopped feeding you. Come on. Uh, it, it, is a, it is a slave-based system. It only provides based upon you slaving for them. Come on. You stop going to work Monday. Guess what? That check is going to stop. Right? You stop, you stop doing that. But guess what? He says when you talk about living in a kingdom lifestyle, he says, your kingdom lifestyle is above that. It's higher than that. So God said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you manna. Now, when you look up the word manna in the original Hebrew, it just means, what is this? That's all it means. What is this? So in other words, I, I, when, I, when I really dug at it a little bit deeper, when I looked in the original uh, Hebrew writing, one, one, of, one of the commentaries said that it became whatever they wanted it to be. So if they had a taste of some gravy, they didn't have no, you know, pork chops back then, but, and they don't eat pork chops. But if they had a taste of some gravy, some chicken, they, they know, or, or, or they had a taste of some, some uh, see, whatever it was, that, that manna became whatever they wanted it to be. And, 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 and when you look at the symbolic of the word of God, the word always represents manna. And so the word can become, some of y'all right now you're receiving this word because you need healing in your body. Some of you are receiving this word because you need God to work out some things in your finances. Some of you are receiving this word because you want God to work out things in your family. Well, this word can become whatever you need it to be. Come on, it, 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 it can solve whatever you need it to solve. Are you hearing me here? It, it, it can transform whatever you need it to transform. He says, I'm going to give every man as much as is needed. Watch this. I love this. Not just for you, but he said this word is for your household. Gosh, I'm almost done. Ten minutes. He said it's for your whole household. So God doesn't want you just being blessed. He doesn't want just Ray and I being blessed. But the blessing has to come on our sons. Right? Because it's for your whole household. But you have to believe God for that. You got to know that it's not just for you, it's for your household. Somebody say, my household. Look at this, verse 17. So the people of Israel went out, I love this, gathered it, some getting more, some getting less, before it melted on the ground. Or one version said disappeared. Verse 18, and there was just enough for everyone. There is no lack in the kingdom of God. Do you hear me? Those who gathered more had nothing left over, and those who gathered little had no lack. So now watch this. Those who gathered more had that old Egypt-based mindset. I better get everything I can now. Come on, because just in case God changes mind tomorrow, Come on, you know how that goes. You know, you know how, just in case he changes mind, I'm going to load it up. Now, my, 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 my kids are like that. So if, if, if Ray makes something one of their favorite, you know, their mouth is full and they're going back for seconds because they don't want nobody else to get their second portion. Right? That, that's a kid's mentality, right? That's a lack mindset. There are some who gather little, but he says this, no matter how much you gathered, the person that gathered one filled him up like the person who gathered much. Gosh, you got to get this. Because what they gathered adjusted to their capacity. 
Gosh, you got to hear this here today. So, so, so there'll be some uh, who, will, who will sit here today, walk out of here. That, that was a good word. It was okay. It was all right, you know. And then there'll be those who say, oh, my God, I'm so full of the Spirit. Why? Why? Because, because you gather according to your capacity. Everyone here is at a different depth. Gosh. Everyone here is at a different level. He says, watch this. Those who gather much, those who gather less, no matter who gather what, there was no lack. Each each home had just enough. And Moses told them, don't leave it overnight. That's for the greedy people. So they said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to stash some in this manner later on just in case I get hungry and just in case God's a little late tomorrow and the manna doesn't fall on time. Maybe instead of 3 o'clock, he may show up at 6, but I'm going to have me some extra manna. Okay, look what happened for all of those who had a lack of mindset. But of course, some of them wouldn't listen. God said, Moses told them, don't hold them for tomorrow, but some of them wouldn't listen, and left it until the morning, and when they looked, it was full of maggots and had a terrible odor, and Moses was very angry with them. Watch this. He said, why? Because... It represented an Egyptian mindset. And God brought them into the wilderness to break that mindset. And God brought you into RCC to break that mindset. That there is no lack. That God gives you more than enough. Watch this. Don't look at your, don't look at your account balance and look at, well, everybody in my family's always been poor. And I don't, that, that, that's a lack mindset. That's not you. That's not what the word says about you. Stop storing stuff up till next week. Come on. Verse 21. So they gathered the food morning by morning, each home according to its need. And when the sun came, became hot upon the ground, the food melted and what? Disappeared. Man, you're talking about God, cold turkey, putting them on another system. I mean, that's no joke. I mean, that's like today I went out, I made a million dollars, I put it in my account, and tomorrow I start at zero every day. I mean, you said, Lord, come on. I mean, that's, that, that, that ain't right. I mean, come on. That ain't. See, but what, it's that lack mindset, right? It's that lack mindset because he says, I want to be your provider. I'm your retirement plan. Gosh. I'm, your, I, I'm the one that gives you everything that you need. It is me that is taking care of you. Uh, I, I love the scripture in, in, in 2 Corinthians. Look at this verse, chapter 8, verse 13. I'm almost there. For I do not mean that others should be eased and with your burden. He says, verse 14, but by an equality that now at this time your abundance may supply their lack, that their abundance may also supply your lack, that there may be equality. As it is written, he who gathered much, uh oh, look at it. Second Corinthians talking is referring back to Exodus. He who gathered much had nothing left over, and he who gathered little had no lack. God says, I want you in such abundance because your supply becomes someone else's, can fill somebody else's lack. Come on. God doesn't want you having much so you can say, yeah, look what I've done. Because you're no better than the people at the Tower of Babel. Look what I built. Look at my career. Man, I, I work in the finance industry. Man, there's a lot of guys who brag on their career. I met a guy this week, I wanted to just hit him with, if I had the mic, I just popped him in the head. Because this guy just went on bragging about how many millions of dollars that he's done this. And I've done millions, and I just looked at him and said, man, you just sound so stupid. Why? Because the world, all they have to brag on, gosh, are those things. But when you are a child of God, God blesses you so you can be a blessing to somebody else. God increases me so I can increase you. God increases you so you can increase me. That we can continue to need one another. That's what a family is. Are you hearing me here today? So watch this. God does not want you to have supply so you can be greedy and hoard and have a lack mentality. He says, I want you to be blessed so that you can bless other people. I want you to be a blessing. We can bless the whole city. There, there, there should be enough people in here that every time I'm walking down Broad Street, I'm walking downtown in Philadelphia, to see the level of homelessness rips my heart out of my chest. And I say, God, increase us that we can increase somebody else. 
Come on. God says, I want you to be the supply. You be the supply. And we walk by all those issues every day. God help them. And keep on walking while we're eating our sandwich. God help them. God says, no, no, I'm going to increase you so that you can increase them. I want you to be their supply. Are you hearing me here, somebody? He says, uh, have abundance may supply their lack. Your abundance supplies somebody else's lack. So ask God this week, whose lack can I supply? Oh, oh, man, that's a big one. Whose lack, come on, come on, we're Christians. Whose lack can I supply? Because somebody needs something that you have. Someone needs something that you have. Ask God, whose lack can I supply this week? Whose lack can I supply? And if you ask God that, be ready. Because he loves to hear those kind of prayers. He loves when you're not asking for stuff, but you're saying, how can I be your hands and your arms in the earth today? How can I represent you in the kingdom of God? Whose lack can I supply out of my increase? Man, I know, I know y'all didn't come to church to hear that. I know that's a different kind of teach. You want to hear, hear all of the good stuff. But man, it doesn't get better than that. It, it, I'm telling you, it, it doesn't, this is a higher place of living. This is a higher place. You live free when you live in the kingdom. Whose lack can I supply? Because that's what you called me to do. Supply it. I love the scripture, last scripture in Luke chapter 5, verse 4 through 7. Watch this now. That was Old Testament. Some of you saying, well, that says Old Testament. Let's look at New Testament. I can hear you. I can hear some of you. That's the Old Testament. Exodus, Genesis, that's all old. Let's look and see how this worked out in the New Testament. I'm going to close this scripture. Are you getting something today? The God of provision. He is the God of provision. He is the God of provision. He is the God of provision. And he will do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you ask or think. When I was looking at that, Pastor Rick in Exodus, it says that for 40 years God gave them manna. 40 years. And I wrote this down, that God's about to make your miracle look normal. God's about to make your miracle, Tony, look normal. 40 years, something that was so miraculous became a normal thing because they lived in the supernatural. People are going to look at you and say, man, they just been... Their life is miraculous. And you're going to say, I, what? What do you mean? Because it's going to be so normal to you. God's provision is going to be so normal to you. Are you hearing me here, somebody? Uh, another, another thing that I saw that it, said, it says that uh, when it came to the manna, it says that those who were walking in righteousness, the manna dropped in front of them. But those who were not walking in righteousness, they had to go and get the manna. Man, that's a whole nother message. If I had time, I worked that. I'm telling you, I worked that. <sighs> this, all right, I'm, I'm, trying, I'm trying to move on. Okay. Woo. Uh, 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 could they receive according to the level of their capacity? Man, God tells Moses, Moses, I want you to take three million people out of Egypt. And Moses, not only are you going to lead them out, but they're going to depend on you for food. I mean, I got, I got five of us. Right? Five of us in my household. And I told Ray last week, I said, what are they eating? Every time we shop, I go to eat, it's all gone. I mean, they eat boxes of cereal. Not a box, boxes, gallons of milk. It, it's, it's, it's like, you know, pounds of meat. It's not, you know, every time we go shopping, I'm like, yeah, we're good for at least another two weeks. Man, I, three days later, Lisa, it's gone. Like, how does food disappear? Is this manna? I mean, what's going on? I mean, it, it just disappears. I, I'm sitting there saying, man, I got to feed five, including myself. Moses was responsible for three million. We're talking about capacity. Gosh. If God says that he's called us to win a city, you got to trust the capacity. You're looking at your resources. God's looking at your capacity. 
God, I wish I had help. You're looking at your resources, but God's looking at your capacity. So the dream will always be bigger than your resources because the dream is not talking to your resources. The dream is speaking to your capacity. Gosh. Renee, it's not talking to you. It's talking to your capacity. It's not, it's not thinking about how much you have. It's thinking about the capacity that God's put in you. So God will always give you a dream or a vision that doesn't match your resources, but it does match your capacity. Moses said, I'm done. I'm really done. I'm finished. Moses said this. Moses says, God, these people are asking me for water. A couple of times God told him, so what are you talking to me for? You have the capacity. Moses saying, I'm just trying to take it. I'm trying to take care of me right now. I'm trying not to get killed, God. These people are crazy. They're complaining that you brought them out here to kill them, and you want me to feed three, I mean, could you, three million? I mean, we're doing a gathering today, and we had to ask everybody to bring a dish. I mean, if you had to depend on me to feed you today, you all be going home with, like, crackers and cheese. Because I got five to feed. I mean, just... It, it would just be like that. But Moses had three million capacity. God's going to increase your capacity today. He's going to let you know how great your capacity is. Some of you are clueless, but just think about what he's asked you to do. Then you'll get an idea of what you're capable of. That's why when Pastor taps on your shoulder and says, I need you to do this, stretch it. It's capacity. Stretching your capacity. Stretching your capacity. I always tell you, my grandfather, when he asked me to be the youth pastor back in New York, I said, absolutely not. Who wants to be a pastor? <laughs> it was preparation for my capacity. Gosh, you got to hear me. But I was obedient. Even though I didn't agree, I was obedient. Because I knew that God had given me someone in the spirit who had the, who had the ability to see my, the depths of my spirit. And they increased the amount of my capacity. If I had said no to that, I probably would never be here today. Because that was part of my training. And you can't go from the first grade to the fifth grade. You got to go to the first grade, the second grade, the third grade. Come on. You, you, you got to go to your steps in the spirit. It ain't, it ain't like in the natural. Oh, you take a test. You can test out. No testing out in the spirit. You, you, you got to love. Come on. You, you, you got to go each grade. So watch this. Last scripture. Luke chapter 5, verse 4. We're going to pray. This is Jesus talking to the pre. Now, Pastor Rick, this blessed me. The pre-disciples. They were not disciples yet. This is important. They were not disciples yet. When he has stopped speaking, this is Jesus, he has spoke. You got to read Luke 5 when you get home today. I mean, it's an amazing chapter. Uh, when he had stopped asking, he said to Simon, instead of the King James, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets. Somebody say nets. All right. Nets. Plural, not singular. Nets. That means what? More than one net. Let down your nets for a catch. All right. Let's look and see what his response was. But Simon answered and said unto him, Master, we have toiled all night. Jesus is like, I know you toiled. That's the point. That's why I'm telling you to let down your neck because you've been toiling all night. You've been looking how to, you've been trying to figure out how to cut this light off when you have not been consulting the manual. You, you've been toiling all night. And some of you have been toiling all week, toiling all year, toiling the last three years. He said, but today there's an anointing in here that's going to bring your toiling to an end. That you're not going to have to toil no more. Oh, come on. Somebody should have been jumping up on that alone. I mean, that's enough to praise God right there. Right? He says, answer the same thing here. Master, we have toiled all night, and we have caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Now, here it is. He's disobedient already. I'm, and this, 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 this gets better because I'm going to show you how disobedience got him. Because God told him, let down your nets. And he said, I'm going to let down one net. That, that's not what he told him. He said, let down your nets. He said, okay, I'll let down our net. 
He's like, you don't know how much work it is to get all the nets in the water. I mean, come on. We're not talking about a little cute net. I mean, if you ever seen those heavy fisherman nets? They're big. They're heavy. So Peter's thinking, I, I ain't got time to be letting all my nets. I let down a net into the water. Watch this. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish. And the net was breaking. Gosh. So they had signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. Watch it, because they were being disobedience. If they had let down multiple nets, all the nets would have been full. But because they had no faith and they let down one net, they had to call other people to help them because of their disobedience. So God tells RCC to cast out our nets. Come on, not, not just pastor. I, I'm just one net. Y'all keep trying to cast the net. I can't be the only net in the water. Come on, I need some nets. Oh, come on, y'all are quiet. Look, look at, I knew he was setting me. I ain't setting you up. I'm just trying to tell you the truth. Right? Y'all keep throwing this one net out there. Come on, Pastor. You can do it, Pastor. Come on. You preach, Pastor. You go get the, you go get the harvest, Pastor. You go do this. I'm just a net. And y'all don't want the net to break? <laughs> I need some nets. You're a net. You're a net. You're, your new name is a net. <laughs> I renamed everybody this. Everybody in this church name was a net. Rob, you're now a net. All right? Everybody's a net. Take it however you want to take it. We need some nets, right? He called, and they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. I mean, that was so much harvest. Now imagine, two verses before that, he was toiling. But when he obeyed the voice of God, he had harvest, provision. Gosh, provision had came. After this, you can read when you get home, they begin to follow him because they would not follow him until that point. Now, I love this because Jesus, and I'm going to say this last point, and my thing is, and I'm done. This is, this, is, this is really profound because Jesus had come into the fishing industry and performed such a great miracle that his partners also saw it and followed Jesus. Okay, you got to get this. You got to get this. They were not in the synagogue. They were not in the church. He straight went into the fishing industry and changed it. He gave Simon Peter such a great miracle that the Bible says he had to call his partners. And when you read the next couple of verses, not only did he follow Jesus, his partners followed Jesus. So I don't care if you're a lawyer, I don't care if you're a doctor, an architect, I don't care if you're a business person, I don't care if you work in the government. God can bless you so much until your colleagues see the harvest in your boat and they say, I don't know what's going on, but I got to follow whatever's going on over there. Jesus is not scared to walk in your industry. You're scared to bring him, <laughs> but he's not scared to come. I mean, that's amazing. Before that, they were not disciples. They became a disciple not when they heard him speak in church, but when he walked up into their industry. He had to tell his partners, God is saying, listen, nets. We're going to get this harvest when we take Jesus into our industry, into our communities. When we do city life groups on our blocks and our communities, this is how it's going to happen. Jesus didn't, all, all this stuff didn't happen in secret inside of a church building. No, no, it happened out on the water. I mean, there are no walls on the water. I can't, I've never seen a wall on the water. I've never seen a, 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 a closet on the water. I mean, that's open space for everybody to see. And today he's challenging you that. I want you to close your Bibles and stand to your feet. God is challenging you today. To let him become your provider. I mean, he is so eager to be your provider. He wants to desperately be the one who provides for you. Philippians 4.19, my God shall supply all of my needs 
according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. Oh, I know somebody saying, well, you know, I'm so-and-so age. I've been providing for myself. All The grace of God has given you health and strength. I know you think it's you, Tower Babel people. I know you think your smartness and your degrees. I talk to people every day who think it's them. But they don't realize that the sun rises on the just as well as the unjust. <laughs> they don't realize it's grace. It's mercy that allows you to go every day. And God's love is so great that despite of our human arrogance to think that we provide for ourselves, he keeps giving us another day in, that we may realize that maybe today they'll realize it wasn't them, but it was actually me. He's so great because he doesn't throw you away. His patience is so great. His love is so unending. I said this before, he doesn't love the present you any more better than the future you. Man, the future you, you keep getting this word, may look all cleaned up like you walking according to the word perfectly. But God doesn't love that you any less or any more than the current you. Because he's at all of you's at the same time. <laughs> he sees all of you at the same time. That's why he keeps putting up with all of you. That's why he stays in the fight with you, because he sees all of you at the same time. Here's what I know for sure, that his love is unending. Here's what I know for sure, that he never fails. Here's what I'm absolutely positively sure, that he has a purpose and a plan for your life. And whether you come into the knowledge of it when you're five, or when you're 50, or when you're 70, it doesn't make a difference as long as you come into the knowledge that Jesus has the perfect plan for the perfect you. He has the perfect plan for the perfect you. And today, I want to challenge your hearts to be one that submits to him and says, God, you know what? I've been doing my own thing. I've been... Maybe I've been coming to church, maybe I haven't, but man, I, I've been doing my own thing and I'm tired of providing. I'm tired of the worry. I need you to be the one who guides me. I, I, I'm tired of being like Simon, toiling, 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 toiling. Making a living, obviously he was, because he had nets in the boat, but he was not living in the king's provision. It's a difference, it's a difference. It's time for you to live in the king's provision. It's time for God to stretch your capacity and increase your depth. It's time for you to stop telling God no and start telling him yes. If you're here today, you're not here by accident. Before you were born, God knew you'd be sitting in the chair that you're sitting in. He knew that my big mouth would be yelling across the mic trying to get a message into your spirit. He knew. Maybe that's why I'm loud, because the quiet person would have never got the message to you. Maybe he needed me to be loud so I can get it into your ears. But I want you just to, for a couple of seconds to just ask God, God, help me to be more like you. Help me to be that person that you have called me to be. Help me not to depend on my own strength, on my own resources, on my own ability. So what if you went to Ivy League school? So what? Get in line. Who cares? Do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Have you accepted him as your Lord? When we say your Lord, when we say someone is a Lord, that means they rule over the territory. Is he the Lord of your life? Do you wake up in the morning with joy and gender, or do you say, God, what would you have me do today? Who would you have me, whose lack would you have me address today? 
because I'm so blessed. I'm so full. You've, you've increased me. I've never missed a meal. I have shelter. I'm so blessed. Who can I bless today? Come on, that ought to be your prayer. Who can I bless today? I don't care if you give somebody an apple. Bless somebody. Who lack can I address today? So while those heads are bowed, I just want to do this. Maybe you're here today and you're not saved. You don't know Jesus. Book of Romans says, if you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus Christ died and rose again, you shall be saved. Salvation is not about joining a church. It's not about falling to the floor. It's not about running around a church. It's not about uh, uh, religion. It's about relationship. When you receive Christ, you receive relationship. You said, I'm giving you permission to come in and turn my life right side up because right now it's upside down without you. If you're here today and you're not saved, you have never said the sinner's prayer, you don't know Jesus, you haven't accepted him as, as Lord. Yeah, I'm God conscious, I know there's a God, but you have never received Christ. You've been toiling and trying to figure out how to get the lights off the dashboard on your own instead of looking into the manual. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, while those heads are bowed, those eyes are closed, just raise your hand where you're, where you're standing. We'll pray with you. You don't have to be ashamed, embarrassed. At some point, we all had to raise that hand, and it was the best decision that we ever made. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you're here today and you're not saved, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, today I ask that you come into my life. I am a sinner. I need you. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and rose again on the third day. And today, I accept you as Lord and Savior in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Come on, clap those hands and give them a good praise. Come on, clap those hands and give them a good praise. Father, we thank you that today you have you showed up. Forgive us for hoarding manna instead of trusting that your mercies are new every morning. We thank you for your grace. Thank you for giving us a glimpse of our capacity through the assignment that you've asked us to do. <laughs> Man, I feel that. Thank you for it. Thank you for it. Thank you that we're going to cast our nets. Because our harvest is in the nets, being obedient to the voice of the master. Our needs are met when we cast our nets. Provision shows up when we cast our nets. We're not going to sow figs and become providers of our own. But God, we will lean on you, trust in you, rely on you. In Jesus' name, somebody clap those hands one more time and tell them thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I want to do one more thing. Where's my bag at, Ray? My bag. Laura, I just want to pray for you. Do you mind? While I was at home, the Holy Spirit dropped you in my heart this morning. And uh, I said, all right, Lord, I'm going to pray for her. But he said, I want you to get out your personal bottle of oil and pray for her. I have a couple of bottle of oils that I keep in my house. But the Bible says that, that when you anoint people, you lay hands on the sick, they should recover. He says, anointing is always symbolic. When Samuel went to the house of Jesse to find David, 
The Bible says he poured out oil and anointed him for his assignment. So we believe in anointed oil in this church. It's biblical. We don't do anything outside of this book, believe me. But he said, I want you to go get your bottle of oil. I said, my, my personal bottle, Lord, that I keep in the, in the prayer atmosphere, that small bottle. He said, yes. I have about 40s bottles that I keep with me. And when we were on a 40-day fast with my grandfather, this oil was in their presence. And every now and then, the Lord would lead me to go anoint my kids, anoint my wife with this oil, anoint the house, and whatever else that he directs me to do. But he said, I want you to anoint her with this oil today. And he says, we're going to do several things. It's going to anoint her and propel her to the place that I have called her to be. Because deep is calling under deep. Deep is calling under deep today. And then the second thing he said Laura's going to do is going to cancel any illness or assignments that the enemy has set to try to cut your life short. The enemy is a liar. You shall live and not die in the name of Jesus. Come on, I need a praying church for a couple of seconds. Thank you, Jesus. I don't care what the heritage or lineage is or what happened in the family, it's irrelevant. When you got born again, you got new blood going through your streams. When I lay hands on her today, I need you, church, to start praising God. Because God said, I'm going to take her to another place. I'm going to anoint her on a new place. I'm giving your voice. He said, new access, Laura. And he said, I'm taking your prayer life to another level. I'm taking your consecration to another level. And he said, this has be a season that I'm going to just purge and work through and purge and work through and purge and work through and purge and work through. He said, for this great capacity in you. And he said, I'm going to begin to measure your assignment up with the level of your capacity. And in your obedience, saith the Holy Ghost, provision is already there. I come against every assignment of the enemy that will have you busy with provision. But I command every resource that God has destined for you to be released into your possession today. Father, we thank you for it. I need you to begin praising God, church.